When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come down here. I, I'll leave your mic up. I muted you last time, and I always forget to unmute it on every show I do. So, uh, just, All right, I'll be quiet. Just know you're on. All right, cool. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, and we are on to episode two of our great big Game of Thrones rewatch. We are diving into the themes, the lessons, the foreshadowing, the moments that mean more, and just why this series grabbed all of us and stuck right there in our souls, our hearts, our brains, and sometimes broke them all. That is what we've been doing uh, all the time here in Castle Talk, but now it's it's fun to just focus up on the show itself on this rewatch. Uh, over this journey, I will some days be here by myself, but as always, I love chatting with the wonderful uh, cast of characters that usually uh, helps uh, prop me up here uh, with their knowledge, their insights, and just great takes on Game of Thrones. Last week, we launched with Rachel Cushing. Uh, talking about the pilot episode, winter is coming, and now, well, we're going to do that again. Rachel, welcome back. As we <laughs> I'm dis- back. Discuss the <laughs> Happy King to be drum. here. Yeah. Look, Lon, Andres, uh, Thomas Rizling, others, uh, and, and other people have been on Casually Talk before. Definitely going to slide in here in the ultimate goal. Yeah, some roundtable discussions, all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, uh, Rachel, uh, last week was so fun to just kind of um, really just dive into on the, on the micro level of why this show and the story, as we always say, if you just joined us now for the re- re- rewatch, we're book readers. Uh, Rachel from uh, Days Gone By with a book and me uh, during the course of the show, we have that those different perspectives. The books will fa- always factor in our conversations, but this is focusing on what makes the show so powerful, uh, so special. And again, sometimes, Rachel, so frustrating. Oh, yeah. No, there's some interesting ways of looking back because we know how it ends. So this is actually the perfect time to revisit um, and look at it through a different lens. It's the lens of knowing where it ends, but it's also through the lens of having lived with this for nearly 10 years and Mm -hmm. loved it for that long and talked about it on so many podcasts and just conversations with you and Lon and Ace and so many of my friends. And to get Sam into the the fold, I managed to do that, Um, you know, to look back and to think about it um, with all of that going on as well, you know, really highlights things you didn't notice the first dozen times you watched them. Um, but it's, it's just a fun way to look at it from this angle. It's been a lot of fun and, and we're going to dive into episode two of the Kings road here in a moment. And I'll say this, Kings Road, When every time I do a rewatch, and, you know, most Game of Thrones fans, I think before the new season started, you'd go back and binge the rest of them. And winter is coming, the pilot. Yay, great, I'm so excited. And then I personally would always go to Kings Road and be like, oh, that's right, the Kings Road. All right, yeah, there's some conversations. Uh, Joffrey's a jerk. Uh, Lady gets it, and that's tough to watch. I don't know. 
But it, it, so it wasn't one of my favorite episodes. And going back, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I quote that scene a lot. I refer to that scene a lot. A lot of great conversations. And the themes and, and, and the lessons that we're going to talk about here, I consider it, Rachel, kind of a thesis statement for the show going forward. A lot of the big stuff that we're going to discuss. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of these original episodes of this rewatch um, mm-hmm. are going to introduce themes. And then as we go through the seasons, we're going to be hearkening back to a lot of the things that we talk about in these early episodes, because everything is being set up. And then all of these themes will continue to evolve and evolve in different and interesting ways. So, you know, certain phrases and catchwords and whatnot, yeah. I think we'll be saying a lot over the course of this whole rewatch, which is going to take us what, like over a year yeah. at this point. Um, but I like that. I yeah. like that we're going to see those themes, you know, start in these early episodes and then see where they go over the course of the seasons. Uh, It's going to be part of the fun. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, we have to take a moment here to talk about someone we lost. Dame Diana Rigg passed away this past week at 82 great years of age, Rachel. And we uh, know her obviously as Elena Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns. But, you know, her career spanned so long, and there's so many things you can say, hey, that's where I first uh, found her work, first uh, just came in awe of who she was, Bond, uh, you know, TV shows. And for me, I'm a child of the 80s, the great Muppet caper, Lady Holiday. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's where me, uh, you know, just was like, all right, the the villainess, along with Charles Grodin, everything there. So we have to talk about Diana Rigg and uh, specifically Orlando Tyrell, Rachel. Yeah, um, the matriarch of all matriarchs and another example of a very good character in the books. Not a POV character, definitely a secondary character. Uh, She pops. Yep. But the show really let her pop in a way that we had not seen any character like her when she shows up in season three, episode two, Dark Wings, Dark Words, and... Her intro is just fantastic. And she actually, she appeared in 18 episodes between season three and season seven. And I kind of forgot that it was that many times. I mean, Mm -hmm. when she comes in, she comes swinging and, and, you know, she's so blunt, she's so funny, but she's so calculating. Um, She just really took a character that was, you know, secondary in the books and, and brought her to life in a way that made every fan look forward to every scene that she was in. And she's also a character that comes in swinging and goes out swinging. I love how she starts and how she ends. Yeah. Um, it's a fully developed character. I, I want to get some of your favorite moments here. You could probably, yeah. there's a long list of quotes, uh, you know, uh, you know you, you're, you're a dragon, be a dragon, all those kind of things. But also going back to when, when she debuts, when she shows up, like you said, with season three, we've already spent some time with Ty, the Tyrells, uh, right. Loris, Marjorie, and we have pretty strong opinions about them. I think they're two, especially Marjorie, it's, it's a well-liked character. Natalie Dormer is yeah. so great in that role. And then like, Grandma comes in like, oh, grandma. And especially again, if you're reading the books a little bit later, like I was around this time, I was into it and, uh, you know, into the books and knew the character. But like you said, a lot of things are so many things going on in the book. Sometimes things don't pop as much. I always say the Red Viper doesn't pop as much for me in the book as it does on the show. Again, a great performer takes that role. She shows up and Rachel, like she just just blows it, blows it out of the water where you're like, oh, this, uh, you know, I don't know. Mace Tyrell. He ain't much of anything, but I love no. Queen of Thorns. She's so good. 
it's so it was amazing to see somebody come in and immediately understand the Game of Thrones and immediately start playing. And it was great for us to see another player in that mix. And frankly, it was great to see a, a woman come in and and play because yep. Cersei's playing. But I, I loved the idea of seeing another woman kind of come in specifically to shake things up in yeah. Cersei's and uh, the, the for the Lannisters and for Cersei. Um, and and she does it in the perfect way, because like you said, the Tyrells at that point you know, weren't accomplishing a whole heck of a lot. Right, yeah. I mean, Marjorie made a big move marrying Renly, but that didn't exactly go the way that they thought. Um, and Loras is, yeah, as even Olena says in her opening scene, like he's he's good with this, knocking people off horses with a stick. But beyond that, I'm not really sure I'm going to take his opinion into account. Yeah, And she's she uses her old age as sort of like, I'm old, so I can be blunt. I can say whatever I want. And she's winning Sansa over by being like that. I mean, she's yeah. taking shots at Renly, who's dead. She's taking shots at her grandson. She's taking shots at her son. And she's, she's saying out loud all the things that like courtiers are not supposed to say, yeah. but she's like, I'm old. I can say it, whatever. And it's a disarming technique and it works with Sansa because then they get the real information that they want from Sansa, which is yeah. the monster that Joffrey is. Um, so it's a great way to, a new kind of player and she just comes in like i said swinging um and uh, her her very first the very first quote that i had to jot yeah. down was um you know she meets sansa sansa um you know says how sorry she is that renly died and um <laughs> she calls him gallant and uh uh olena says and i'm, I'm gonna read this she's yeah. gallant yes and charming and very clean he knew how to dress and smile and somehow this gave him the notion he was fit to be king boom like <laughs> that you get everything you need to know about the kind of character she's going to be from that opening line. Um, right, and, and then to trace it all the way to tell Cersei it was me mm-hmm. in, in season seven, uh, you know, so I just kudos to Diana Rigg. Yeah. You were amazing. You brought that character to life in a really fun, interesting, great way. I loved every time she was on screen and, you know, um, mm-hmm thoughts and prayers with her family and friends. Yeah. What a life, what a career to have that matriarch rise up to go against uh, Tywin, the ultimate example of, of an old patriarch yeah. in that world. And just mm-hmm. not only go toe to toe, but I think a couple times get, get, a, get a leg up on Tywin. Yeah. He, you know, he, he has his ways and forces some hands, but you know, the, to the very end, I still think I, I, I definitely top five death scene, but if I'm listing yeah. deaths, yeah, there's some great big dramatic deaths in game of Thrones, but, the quiet, intimate, tell Cersei it was me and Jamie's reaction, everything about that. Yes. Still one of the best mic drops in all of genre <laughs> movies yeah. and books and, and, and shows. Yeah. All right. So as uh, Rachel said, uh, D- Dame Diana Rigg, we re- appreciate your uh, contributions to this wonderful show and series. Let's dive into the King's Road, Rachel, as uh, we uh, look at uh, the second episode in the show. Original air date, April 24, 2011. Director Tim Van Patten again at the helm. Writers uh, were Benioff and Wise cinematographer still Alik Sakharov. Uh, sorry, uh, editing Oral Nori Ot. We always include the editors. Uh, not only is uh, Rachel an editor by trade, but editing uh, very important to all projects, but under underrated in Game of Thrones, right? Rachel, not talked about enough. Yeah, when you're juggling this many characters and this many storylines, pacing is everything, and that uh, that largely falls on the shoulders of the editors. Absolutely, hey, it's a it's a good job to have Rachel, right? Good job. To have. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about themes and lessons. Let's put on our, our put our cards on the table here, Rachel, and talk about 
uh, what you, you and I uh, and we, we don't really compare notes to the to the end, which I yeah. always love. I love seeing what we can pull out. Sometimes it's uh, very similar. Sometimes uh, different things. Uh, what we're watching, our perspectives, our experiences. That's why we love doing this. I'll, I'll lay some out here, and, and then I want to hear what you got. Then we'll start diving into it. Uh, this episode for me, all about honor. It, the, the word honor is said so many times. You could run one of those counters on the bottom of the yeah. screen. Honor and its cousin duty are, are t- <laughs> talked about here. Uh, I, I think past traumas, sins, failures. We've got a lot of characters with things being thrown into their faces or things they're realizing that we, you know, Jorah comes to mind and Viserys throwing his yeah. past right in his face. Um, and uh, I, I consider, like I said up top, this this is kind of a GO, GOT thesis statement on these big kind of themes because we're definitely not done. And then I definitely I want to come back to Danny, at some point, there's, uh, you know, quite frankly, some pretty, uh, you know, this is where the show starts telling you we're going to have sex. Sex is going to be around. <laughs> and there's some uh, titillating scenes. And, yep, and you can uh, get lost in that. I get it. Uh, behind it, though, is uh, is uh, part of Danny's journey really beginning here, the power of choice, her trying to take control, uh, not just, I, I saw one description of this as, you know, Danny changes things up to have a more intimate relationship with Cal Drogo. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it. But this is a complete uh, step forward of her saying, I've got to take control of my own destiny, my own path as best I can, uh, and starting to focus on the dragon eggs too, all that stuff. Anyways, that's what I got. What have you got to work with there, Rachel? I think overarching uh, theme for me um, is this idea of journeys because you have so many characters literally on the move right now. John and Tyrion going north to the wall, Ned and his girls heading south to King's Landing, Danny. Um, traveling across uh, the Dothraki Sea to face the Thrak, um, and how that is a physical journey, but they're all starting. The, it, mm. It's it's personal for them too because they're all learning things. Um, basically, they're learning, you know, how harsh the world is, and yeah. that a lot of their sheltered sort of bubble beliefs about things are gonna get pricked pretty quickly. I mean, <laughs> uh, what Arya and Sansa go through, yeah. what Tyrion's trying to tell Jon about um, who's really members of the Night's Watch, and it might not be this, you know, like you said, big honor, duty-driven. I mean, he's essentially believes that he's taking the black in order to become like a white knight. Like, yeah. that's his view of it. And that's going to get burst real fast. So I like the idea of physically, they're all on journeys, but over the course of this episode, but over the course of the show, it's about especially these younger characters, but not just them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think uh, Ned's going on a, on a pretty interesting journey here, too. Right. But they're they're on journeys to discover their places in the world, uh, their views on it in terms of how it's maybe not as black and white as you thought it was going to be. Yeah. What, what does Tyrion say uh, when he's talking to John up there? You know, oh, the, the life is full of these great ironies. <laughs> yeah. After John, yeah. after John does that, you, you brother killed the king. It's one of the best reads of just Tyrion. Like, yes, my yes. brother killed the king. Great. Little mm-hmm. thing. That's a great yeah. one. Uh, that's a great one. Can't wait to dive into that. Rachel, uh, anything else you pulled out there before we uh, start uh, digging in deep? Um, I also kind of did take away. It's not hundred percent because you do have John and Tyrion on their um, particular journey. But I found this episode very female centric. Mm-hmm. I think a lot is happening to the women in the show in this episode. I think the show is showing that it was going to lean into the idea that women generally feel very trapped in this world. And that's 
realistic in a lot of ways, given that this is somewhat based on, you know, the War of the Roses in our in our own history right. and European history and whatnot. Um, and it's, you know, very interesting to see, again, the journey of all of these women who feel, I mean, Danny's literally a slave at the beginning. Slavery is something that comes up a lot here right. too, yeah. but women feel so constricted by um, the roles that they have to play and then how each of them deal with that. Mm. And we're going to see, you know, how Danny deals with it. This is the episode where Arya's, you know, going to really start veering off the track. She's supposed yeah. to as uh, the daughter of a great house. And she's supposedly going to, to King's Landing to become a lady. Um, Sansa is going to learn real fast that, you know, you have to pick sides and, and, and she's so, you know, uh, doesn't know how to handle, does she lie for her sister? Does she lie for her, her betrothed? And that's a, 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 an unwinnable situation. Uh, You also have Catelyn dealing with Bran and becoming kind of like not able to run her, her Winterfell. Like she's not doing her job. She's all focused on him and she's got to get snapped out of that. Um, And there's some Cersei stuff in there too. So I thought that the show did, this episode did a really good job of showing where the women generally stand in this world Mm. and, you know, sort of the uphill battle they have to, to find a place in it. I, I love, I love that. That's a, that's a wonderful point. It is, it is all through this episode. And I immediately go to, Cersei and Catelyn Stark, whenever they have scenes, and they don't have a lot, obviously, during the series, mm-hmm. uh, but they have a lot in the early uh, parts here uh, of these first couple episodes. Uh, the, we're going to talk about it in, in the second half of the show, of some of my favorite moments. I love the Cersei, kind of that first reveal of some of her past and her traumas yes. and some of their stuff. But to see both of them who are, in many ways, you know, in their own uh, their own way, follow me on that, their own way, the heads of their family, right? I mean, obviously yeah. Ned and, and Robert, but, like, mm-hmm. so much falls on them. And dynasty, as Tywin yeah. and Cersei would say. And, and Honor, you talked a great point last week about where you're, what's your loyalties? What's the ranking order yeah. of your loyalties? <laughs> uh, and that comes on that, I think, falls into Honor as well. So, ah, this is great stuff. Are you ready to start looking a little closer? Absolutely. Let's, let's, uh, let's start with uh, the journeys. I think that's the King's Road, we're literally traveling here. In fact, when I, again, when I always think about this episode, I go, oh, yeah, that's right. They're, they're, they're traveling. They're heading down. They're heading down. Again, I know there's always going to be a lot in these these episodes. Uh, this is Game of Thrones is, you know, and Song of Ice and Fire too. George's story. A lot of it is coming of age stuff. That's that's fantasy. That's that's these big stories. That's these myths. Uh, you look ahead to eight seasons. At the end of the eight, eighth season, we're still dealing with these characters that are starting out on these journeys. Again, like you said, other characters are on their journeys as well, but the main characters, Rachel, they are beginning their journey. What were some of the, the lessons and, and moments that you took for, uh, took, uh, took notes on for this? I think the, the obvious and the easiest one to talk about just because you're also dealing with Tyrion's in the scene. So you have John heading North. Um, and the idea being that he feels Although I, I will back up and say quickly, one of the things I do like about the episode is that they do a really good job of establishing where John fits in with the other Stark children, with the exception of Sansa and Rickon, because Rickon's always the exception. But he gets scenes with Arya, he gets scenes with um, Bran, and he gets seen with Rob. And you see the genuine um, kinship that he has with all of them, the relationships. They're... they're very honest and real and close relationships. Mm. And I think that that's part of the issue with him is like, he's feels so close to so many of these Stark children and Ned clearly treats him like a son, but the, his being a bastard is always looming. And Mm. Kat is the one who never lets him forget it. Right. 
So he's always felt, you know, even though he's very close to a lot of the Starks, not one of them. Um, and and so he thinks the Night Watch is the answer. If this, I will give up this, as Tyrion says, you, the, the beauty of the Night's Watch is you give up one family to get another one. Yeah. And so, so he's looking for a family. He's looking for a place to fit in. And because he's Ned's son or thinks he's Ned's son, he believes in honor and duty and the importance of those things in living uh, uh, a worthy life. And so again, the Night's Watch, that's the answer. They've been guarding the realm of men for 8,000 years. And like, there's so much honor. Sarks have manned the wall the whole time. Like everything about it, he has come to believe is this super honorable knight in shining armor role that he can play. Yeah. And then he starts on this journey north and Tyrion's just starts poking holes at that particularly when the rapers join the group which fun little moment this is the first time i've ever watched this episode and realized that was rast right oh yeah yeah right yeah no i I, I, yeah it just it it didn't dawn on me it didn't register uh before but rast and and another um uh new night's watch recruit um because they're criminals and they chose the night's watch rather than you know the punishment that they would get for being criminals and john's like oh wait they're gonna be my new family uh, what, not what I was expecting. Um, and then you just have that great back and forth. Um, the, the mini one between him and Jamie earlier at Winterfell. Yeah. And then here with Tyrion just telling him how the world really works. And yes, there's so many ironies and contradictions. But this is the world we live in. This is what we have to deal with. And how do you deal with that? I deal with it by reading and educating myself and making myself indispensable. Yeah. Um, how are you going to do it? And yeah. you can just see it on John's face. Yeah, as it starts to break. And we talk about, you know, journeys and this, the honor. We can get into a little bit of the honor discussion here because this is, I think, a big part of it. Going to that yeah. Jamie and John scene, too, where is it? Is it we already? Uh, great moment. And I yeah. love that, that. We'll talk later maybe about the power dynamic that's going to switch between <laughs> seasons one and eight. But that that is, that is um, I'm reminded of, of Ray in The Last Jedi telling Luke at one point early on, just like, uh, Kylo Ren is bad and we need you just kind of this like regurgitating this, this what the story is in her mind at that point. And you got John in this moment like, well, I'm going to go, you know, defend the realm. Uh, there's built in honor and duty up there. And Jamie already kind of just like, okay, kid. So to, to, to tie it to the journey, Journey, the big journey of John, you said it so well, Rachel, he, he's going to take the black to become the white knight, this idea of a hero and how that changes and where he ends up. Literally the last shot walking. I've been talking a lot here in Castle talk about John, uh, the journey from uh, wilding to free wild wilding fighter to free folk defender and actually be kind of becoming a free a free folk himself. Like it, it really you see it. The journey really does begin here. I'm going to go up there and defend the realm from those horrible people. Now I'm going to become one, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's, it's just, it's example of that this world and and you mentioned it last week and we're going to see it time and again, you know, there aren't many white knights and pure evil characters in this story. Everybody has shades. And that's why what Cersei does in this episode is so great because Mm -hmm. you see both sides and you see all the layers and, you know, again, with the coming of age aspect, all of these kids, um, have to, you know, be exposed to that. And yeah. then it's all about how do you react to that? Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, one of the reasons why I love Martin's work so much is because he's like, we don't live in a world where it, it's good guys and good and evil. Like if we just don't mm-hmm. and, 
everything in the middle, everybody has their own motivations and the rankings of, of you know, their loyalties Loyalty. and, you know, their, their experiences, their past experiences, what you mentioned, that's a huge player in it. All of it comes together, you know, to form their views of the world. And we're yeah. starting to see them develop yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The, these journeys are, are, are important. I, you know, I'm going to play a call right now here, Rachel. We, we love taking yeah. our calls. You can find uh, find us on the Anchor app. I, this week, there seems to be a little problem searching for Casterly Talk on the Anchor app. You can find it on the desktop and you can uh, leave a message here. Got a great call from a, a longtime listener, first time caller type of situation, Jonathan. John, and, and, and he uh, sent a two-parter. The first one, I'll, I'll keep off air, is a real nice, sweet message about supporting Casterly Talk and, and, and what we do here to keep the uh, keep the flame alive so to speak of this show uh because like like you and i talk even off here rachel this this to me is like a star wars level thing lord of, lord of the rings level thing that it got in my heart and i still yep. learn from it and i still take joy from it it's not a show that's in my past it's still here right. for me so john thanks for that part of it uh rachel i want to uh he he talked a little bit uh about some of the stuff we're going to talk about here that i think it really goes to santa so at the time of this message uh we've had the first rewatch episode uh, for a little bit now. And uh, I just wanted to, I, I just can't help but think about starting off the series again and looking at these characters from when they start. I, I wish I had a more thoughtful question, but uh, kind of my uh, broad stroke question here is which character do you think fundamentally changes the most from the beginning of this series? Obviously it's not that big a cast at this point as we will find in later se- seasons, but of the main characters that we've gotten so far, who goes the biggest change and fundamental change to the person? For example, the difference I would put it is I don't think Jamie Lannister necessarily changes as a character, but we peel back a lot of layers and we get deeper into his character. But for me, I feel like Sansa, she actually does change as a person. But again, I don't dive as deep as you guys do. So I'd love to hear your deep thoughts on this, uh, where your mind goes and what, what sticks out to you. Thanks again for all your work. Appreciate it. John, that's a, a great call. That's, 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 a, that's a great question because it's an important one early on here. And I think he's right, Rachel. I think there's a difference between like ooh, this big fundamental shift. I think in a way, Arya and John drill down on who they are as they discover it. Yes. And there's big changes. John does this, but, you know, they, they are who they are. Talk about, I think John remains one of the only as pure as he can be, good guys or good people in the story. I agree with him. I think Sansa, going back to these early episodes, who was at the time – kind of i'll say hated that's a tough strong word but in the fan show kind of mostly show only fandom who didn't know where it went like sansa was kind of tough quote unquote tough to take early on right uh which to me just means sophie turner was doing a great job of of it there uh yeah i think that's the biggest fundamental shift right that's the word i was saying i was thinking is fundamental um there it's internally what is important to you how do you how do your emotions and your internal makeup um, mm. cause you to react and to act to, you know, external factors and things in your world. And she only cared about the, yeah. the superficial, um, frivolous things that come into existence for, you know, an upper class lady for lack yeah. of a better phrase. 
Yeah. And 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 it's all storybook driven, and it's all based in naivete and and you know an idealistic view of of everybody, and you know, and she she just bought into that, and that was her driving force. It's why she's so courtly. It's why she learned the needlework. It's why she learned all those lessons to to play that role, and then to be told that she actually gets to get to the pinnacle of that, which is to be queen. To marry Joffrey means someday you'll be queen. That's that's everything I'd ever dreamed of. Um, and then to go from that to ultimately becoming a queen, because she does actually become one. She becomes queen of the yeah. North at the very end, but not for those reasons. Yeah. Now she realizes what that means. That means to serve other people. That means to serve something outside of yourself, something greater. It means something much more difficult, much grayer, much harder, Um but she comes around to that. And it's it's awful that she has to because of the abuse that she endured. Yeah. But it showed that she was a, made of tougher stuff than she thought mm-hmm. um, and, and got her to that place. So, yeah, I think fundamental is the perfect word for it. Because like you said, Arya and John, they go through massive changes and deal with so much and are abused in their own ways, too. But they still at the core mm-hmm. are who they are. At this stage. Um, And I'm trying to think of another character that, I mean, I think Jamie falls in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's a layer thing, like why he killed King Ares and and all of that stuff. But he had for so long shoved that to the side. And I think certain relationships like his one with Brienne and um, even Bronn and, and certain other characters, you know, maybe some of that was deep down, but I think it was developed in a way over the course of the series. But I can't think of another character like, Sansa that really I mean maybe Danny I mean I look I definitely I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely think Danny but that that there's a lot of self-discovery in that where mm-hmm. Sansa it's self-discovery but it it, it again I, I use that phrase drill down like Arya is like this is who I want to be and that's kind of who she ends up being John yeah. learns these things and in his in his way becomes a white knight in a different total way that he right. would have imagined Sansa has a little bit of that with the Queen of the North thing which again is why I do love that decision in the end that she's a Queen of the North it means a lot to yeah. me um, yeah it's 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 a painful sometimes as, as we know hard to watch um, yeah. um, we could we could have real world discussions of, of of some of those story points later on, but like it's it's hard to watch. But but where the character comes out in the end, yeah, it's 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 you look now and you look then, you're like that's not the same person. She changed big way, yeah. Uh, Arya's journey. I want to hear your thoughts on Arya's journey where it begins here. Uh, it's it, it's so so fun to watch Maisie Williams work at all times, yeah. but going back. You know, here just like it was all there. She's so good, and it's and you feel her frustration. I I already feel it with yeah. everything going on. Uh, uh, so, what what are your thoughts on Arya's journey beginning here? Um, I love how it starts because we get that wonderful scene between her and John, and it just shows so much that their relationship is very specific and special because he sees where she is at the core and doesn't judge her for that. Whereas her mother would Sansa would even her father to an extent. I mean, he'll, you know, kind of bridge the gap and compromise a little bit with her with like Syria Pharrell later and whatnot. But, but the world is what the world is. And she's a girl from a noble house in this world. Like uh, what can be done? Yeah. But John sort of is like, well, 
I will still feed this need for you and I will give you this sword that is made especially for you. And I just love that exchange and love that relationship so much because I think she feels that, Oh, at least there's one person out here who understands me and knows like what I want deep down. But at the same time, she's a smart girl and knows, you know, that there is a role she has to play and she has to do it. And so, you know, that's just her struggle. But, you know, in terms of like the physical journey, you know, they, they travel along the King's Road and when they get to the end of the crossroads, um, you know, she's she's still bridging the gap. So she's playing at nights with with Micah, with yeah. sticks and um, and, you know, and you can tell she she feels caught in that moment. She, I don't think she ever wants to, you know, um to derail Sansa in the way that Sansa is like, you're ruining everything. It's not what she's setting out to do. Um, But, but, but I also love that like her, her, um, her inner fighter comes out when, when Joffrey's cutting Micah's face and she whacks him with the stick. She's like, no, you're a bully. And I'm going to stand up to that. And that's amazing. And that's empowering. And that's wonderful. But there are consequences to that. And that's part of what all of these characters learn is, Mm -hmm. you know, you can have these reactions and they can become coming from a place of good. They're coming from a place of I'm in the right here. I'm the one being honorable and and, in good in this moment. Joffrey's not, but it, but you have to now chase Nymeria away because you realize that she just bit the, son of the king like there's no coming back from that and then i think it's hard the whole scene where robert just caves to cersei and and you know it's heartbreaking for sansa it's heartbreaking for Arya. like when Arya starts pulling sansa's hair it's such a silly sister thing and having a sister i get that for sure sure. but it's coming from a betrayal she just ultimately chose him over me her sister and and that that's a devastating lesson for her mm-hmm. to learn in that moment that people will betray you in this world. People that shouldn't. Yeah. But uh, but in terms of Sansa's point of view, what she's learning in that moment is that, you know, there are these uh, unwinnable situations, choices that I have to make. And and she she freezes and she doesn't know how to handle that yet. Yeah. That's something she's got to learn how to do. But uh, yeah, I, I, for both of them, that's a very tough scene and it's telling too that that's the very end of the episode and it just plays all the way through there's no interruptions yeah oh it's great yeah and they, and and yeah it's a, it's a frustrating scene to watch in a good way just because yeah. especially you're you you want to root for robert i i like robert baratheon we talk about right. justice for king bob baratheon over here a lot king king uh king robert baratheon uh alden diaz one of our our contributors and callers he, he we always talk about that He's just, he's gone wrong. He's done a lot of things wrong and a lot of this is his problem. But I think it, there's something un, un, underneath there that's a, that's a good man. And this scene, it just frustrates me even now. Like, come on, Robert. But that's about honor. That's also about honor and duty too. What's your duty as a king? I want to talk about a little bit about Ned's journey. You mentioned it. I think we're talking about the kids and that'll keep coming back. Ned's journey, then I think that, that can spin a little bit into the honor and duty discussion. What, what are your thoughts on Ned starting his own journey? It's not a... We know yeah. where it goes, but it's a journey. Right. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate journey because it puts him at odds with his own family. Mm-hmm. His parting with Cat is pretty difficult. Yeah. And, you know, and we're talking about choices and he says he has no choice. And she's like, bullshit, you yeah. do. And you've already made it. That's what men always say. And I think yeah. this is another part of that dichotomy of like where men in the in this world and where women, you know, how they see right. things and how they have to deal with their circumstances. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, so you're, you're already at odds there. You're also at a, a real sort of quasi dangerous place with John, mm-hmm. um, who's now pointedly asking about his mother and, <laughs> and Ned has to make that promise that he'll, he'll never be able to keep the next time I see you, I'll tell you all about your mother. I promise. And yeah. he won't ever get to be able to keep that. And that's, you know, so that's also weighing on him, but I think what his, journey is in terms of you know how do i balance all these loyalties how do i serve my king which is supposedly the first loyalty but by doing that that means i have to condone his like thirsty vengeance against targaryens we know that's going to be a problem and we see a hint of it here Great. And then he has to make absolutely devastating decisions about his daughters Mm -hmm. because his king commands it. And that like so he's thrown into this really kind of murky political situation that I don't think he's necessarily equipped for because of his sense of duty and honor Mm -hmm. and ranking all of those loyalties. You know, he's used to doing the right thing and the right thing working for lack of a better phrase, but here he has to do the wrong thing because there's people higher up on the chain who are demanding it for their own selfish, petty Mm -hmm. issues, you know, and, and he's like, again, unwinnable situation. And he finds himself in one of those here. And I think it's just a taste of when he gets to King's landing and he has to learn how to play the game of Thrones. And ultimately he doesn't. You know, so I think that's the 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 journey that he's trying yeah. to go on, and I don't, you know, not he's not going it. to manage it as well as we would hope. Great, great point that you just said of this this final sequence of what ends up happening, and and, and you know, it's I yeah, I'm a pet lover, you're a pet lover. I, I it's, it's hard to even hear the lady scene, um, yeah. and that's part of, probably one of the reasons I'm always like, oh, the King's Road. Yeah. But that scene, it is it is Ned's first. It, it, that slippery slope and that maybe he slid down. There's also, and I, I have it later on in the second half of the show, we can talk about some of our favorite little moments. This is the first time Cersei's kind of ahead of him. And and that moment where he's like, oh, Sansa's asleep. And she's like, oh, you don't, oh, you fool. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so Ned is already, he's starting to go under the deep end there, starting to, to, to take water on it. And he's having to yeah. compromise when in the past, you said it's unwinnable. He has to compromise, so, but that's still a compromise. And in the yeah. past or where he's the North, Honor wins, duty wins, righteousness yeah. wins. Tough thing. So this slides a little bit into the honor conversation, and you mentioned it. Yeah. Catelyn says this, uh, that's what men always say when honor calls. That's what you tell your families, tell yourselves. You do have a choice, and you've made it. That really, it's the big honor. And I'm just going to run through some of the honor discussions here. Uh, we can start ding. Uh, we got Jorah Viserys talking about Jorah's past and how it's a great dishonor. There's honor. You got Tyrion slapping the lesson of duty and honor to Joffrey. Tyrion and Jamie expectations of honor and duty to family. Jamie and John have the honor of the Night's Watch conversation. Uh, we talk about Cat and Ned have no choice. Uh, Ned uh, keeps to the duty and honor of the promise he made to Lyanna with John, which is... Let's talk about you and I are such, you know, we're Lord of the Rings fans, Boromir, Sean Bean, uh, Goldeneye, whatever you want to say. Ned Stark, Sean Bean in this scene, the tension, the the almost uh, tears, anger, stress in his face of, of withholding that information out of that promise. Promise me, Ned. I love that moment. It is an old timer for a great reason. Yeah, no, he's he, he's the star of the first season 
um, because he's at the, at the crux of it. He's us, mm-hmm. you know, because we believe in good and we believe in yeah. honor and duty. And we know he's always trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing, you know, R plus L equals J, even yeah. when you see the scene, like you get the feeling that David and Dan told him that, mm-hmm. or he, I, I actually don't know if Sean Bean read the books or is a big Game of Thrones, Lord, uh, Song of Ice and Fire fan or not, but you know, that's there. That's on his face, in his voice, when he's making that promise yeah. to um, to John, I, I, and I think it's in his face too when yeah. he over when he sees Cat kick John out of Bran's room. I think so too. I think we'd have to really source this by now because it's years later, and these kind of things become urgent urban legends. I think the story goes that. Benny Hoffman did tell him something that there's something yeah. there, but he, as an actor, he's going to make the right choices. But I think that's why it also he also makes it in the Catelyn Rob scene. Quick, this is total. I don't want to spend too many times, too much time. I do get this call every now and then. We we both love Benjamin Stark. Do you think Benjamin knows that look back? Do you think he's like uh, Ned's telling him the truth, or Ned's not telling him whatever? Do you just think Benjamin has any inkling of of what the truth is? I think if he does, because I believe he was. At the tourney of Harrenhal, he would have been very young, but he, I'm pretty sure he was there. Mm. Um, and I always get the feeling that Benjen is a very, like, um, observant yeah. character. And so I don't think Ned told him. I think Ned sticks to his vow and he tells absolutely nobody. Right. But I would not be surprised if Benjen had worked it out. Yeah. Based on, the you know, the history and maybe, the, maybe he knows who the the... Uh, laughing tree night is and that it's her and that you know that she she fell in love with Rhaegar I think he's an intuitive observant smart person and I think he could have figured out which would explain looks like that but he also knows his brother well enough to know that I can never talk to Ned about this because very clearly Ned is I will never I made this vow and it is it's the one he ranks first. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then the other, uh, we got King Robert and Ned literally looking back, talking about Ned's honor, both good and bad, war. You know, and Ned Ned is an honorable guy, but there seems to be uh, one dalliance, he, he, at least one he had. Uh, so he's he struggles with even that just simple uh, dishonor by marriage type of thing. There's that there. We talked about uh, uh, Tyrion and the truth of the Night's Watch honor. Uh, but in that scene, Tyrion says, I must do my part for the honor of my house. This word just keeps just raining down. Uh, <laughs> Rob steps forward. I'll take the appointments. It's his duty and honor as the Stark and Winterfell. Uh, and we talked a lot about Sansa and her duty uh, of of honor. Uh, I, I, you know, there's we're going to we're going to have this discussion again, Rachel. So I don't think we need to go too long on this there. But what do you think early on? It's episode two. And you're just like you're Tyrion, it's like Tyrion slapping Joffrey. We're being slapped with honor, honor, honor. And what do you really think it is? And what does that really mean? How important is that, that it comes from episode two? Completely. Because again, this is a, this is a, a not a black and white world and honor sometimes falls. It's, it's, a, it's such a strident um, all or nothing kind of a concept. And this world just won't have that. Yeah. You know, there's, it, it, and it's also, I mean, I'll just go on the standard just a little bit. It's cultural, yeah. you know, what honor is to one family or one culture is different to another one. And, and I do think one of the things about this episode that's interesting is really kind of diving into the Dothraki culture. And yeah. we'll talk about it in a specific sense when we talk about Danny. Mm. Um, but the still the idea is what is honorable to you, to your house, to your people, to your culture or whatnot is a is a very specific you know, yeah. yes or no 
thing, black, white. Yeah. And it, but the, you just can't sustain that in a world where there's so much rule by politics and relationships and, you know, and, and quasi relationships and fake relationships. And, you know, the, Games. everybody's vying for power, power trumps honor in most people's minds because power means freedom. Yeah. And everybody's just trying to stay afloat and free and, and, and able to make their own decisions and own choices. So, but because the Starks are our guys, because they are initially introduced as our protagonists, as the good guys, yeah. it makes sense that honors is the crux of so much for them. And then it makes sense for that to get chipped away at over the course of this episode, over the course of the season, over the course of the entire series. Yeah. So it's how do you maintain honor, but also live in this world? And that has always been to me the lesson that Ned failed to pass on to mm-hmm. his specifically his two sons to, yeah. to, to, to Rob and to, and to John. It's why both die yeah. <laughs> just like Ned does. Like they try to do the honorable thing in and out because that's part of the core of who they are having been raised as Starks, but it always bites them in the ass. <laughs> yeah. And Hey, Sansa and Arya maybe go on a little bit of a different uh, journey yes. when it comes to that. There, yep. Great stuff on honor. Like I said, it's going to come, come back again. It's just, it was clearly, like I said, it's this thesis statement of, of, of the show, of those complicated gray areas we all love. We all talk about it, and, and we all bring them up. And, and literally, again, I think Tyrion's literally bring it up to the, to the viewers. Yeah, life is full of things that you might uh, question and, and con- You would think, things. wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. However. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and, but we're just so trained, and, it, and, it's, and it's okay. I think it's, it, we want the feel-good stories. We want the fairy tales, and, and this plays upon it. Wizards yeah. oh. and dragons and knights and heroes. And look, Jamie Lannister is probably the most knightly looking guy we got, but you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, so there's there. And then I, I, um, I want to get the Danny stuff here. We'll touch upon this one here. We'll t- uh, talk about Danny. We'll take a quick break here on Cash the Talk after that. Uh, trauma, I think, because uh, part of what we're talking about, the lessons and what the show puts in there, these characters, uh, our caller John said it, Jamie, with the layers are peeled back. You and I talk often about that bath scene with, with, with Jamie and Brienne and how the layers, I talk often about Robert and, and Barristan talk about their first kills, and that's when we really first hear Jamie say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Kingslayer. Let me tell you about that. The layers start coming back, and there's sins and failures and things and actions in their past and how the characters deal with it sometimes is what buries them later on uh, and to see it on display early. Uh, we talked about Jorah and his sins and what he did. Cersei and her lost child. Now, I know it's played... A little different in the books. Uh, there might have been a, a strategy, a move here. And I can still see, you know, I don't know if Cersei's telling the 100% truth here, but I think it's part of her her actual makeup. It is a trauma that's in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the trauma is as much about, you know, the loss of, of that, that little baby, but it's doubled down on, and I think in a more... Um, thematic way in the other conversation she has with Robert and I forget it's in an upcoming episode. It's the one we all talk about where they talk about, she basically says, did you, would you have ever been able to love me after you lost Liana? And that's the trauma. She got to marry the King and as calculating as Cersei was as a young woman and as a teenager or or whatnot, she still was Sansa like in, I want to marry the King. She was in fact in love with Rhaegar or at least the idea of Rhaegar. Um, So she, but she does get to marry the King. She gets to be the queen. She's beautiful. She's powerful. She's from this family. Like in some part of her mind, she, she thought happily ever after. Um, And instead she married a man who's in love with a, a dead woman and who's basically 
going to drink himself and whore himself into an early grave because of that. And because of everything that he went through in the war and, you know, it's, that's her trauma. I I Mm. thought I I had attained this thing that every little noble girl dreams of attaining. And this Mm. is what I get for that. And so it's, you know, finding a way to deal with that. And she, you know, with Jamie and with her her children, with him and everything else. So it's all that I think that the losing what is essentially she's saying is was actually Robert's son, you know, maybe that would have changed things. Maybe he would have snapped out of it if they'd had a child together that looked like him. There's a lot of what ifs and maybes and things could have gone very differently. So um, I I feel that. And that that scene is something else because you just don't know for sure why she's telling the story. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because because she's she doesn't want Brand to wake up. She doesn't actually mean it when she says, yeah. I pray to the mother every day that he, your son wakes up. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. Yeah. But as a mother, and that's always been our, you know, yeah. our view of as being her most redeeming quality. Yeah. She does. So that that's that's a great example of a character being a villain, yeah. but having human qualities and and thoughts and and a makeup deep down within her that does make her actually commiserate with Catelyn in that moment yeah it's a great see michelle fairly lena heady so good Mm -hmm. Uh, other traumas on display Tyrion the dwarf meaning he says if i you know but if i wasn't born into into the lannisters of castle rock i'd be be i'd be dead to be cast aside uh we get the cat and john stuff cat and that that trauma of ned's mistake um and and how she deals with that there i think you said she snaps out of some of the stuff with bran but when it comes to john and later on we it's discussed heavily uh and and cat realizes some of the stuff but that's there um there's ned's trauma with the father uh his father and brother's murder and and and, and how he dealt with that robert brings it up and, and robert's trauma of his broken heart for what it's worth is is always on display <laughs> it's always part yeah. of there so a lot of trauma the series we know is going to deal with it and some characters deal with it better than others some deal with it and then seem to fall back uh but it, it's just interesting it, it i think to me rachel that's one of the real world connections to the show that people can find themselves in these characters and therefore you might be heartbroken later on by these characters or what happens to them or some of their actions but that's where the show jumps out off the screen and and kind of into our hands is just like this is real stuff and we can relate yeah i mean there there's something to be said and i think has been said i don't know what the exact quote is but like suffering creates character suffering drives character it's how you react to the suffering and how you um move on from it if you can if you can like for, forgive forget or you know keep it locked inside don't talk about it or talk about it to the point where you can let it go like i mean these are all things that we all deal with in in real life like you yep. said so to see characters do that in a really honest way yeah. because it, every most of these characters when you find out what that trauma is you're like yeah that's how most people would react in that situation. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, you get that again. It's, it's a fantasy series, but we have practically nothing fantasy related in this episode. Yeah. And so now we're just talking character. Now we're just talking about, you know, understanding these people and where they're coming from um, yeah. and, and going on the journeys with them. Yeah. Building the, building the paving the road for the story ahead. But yeah. And I'm finding, I don't know. It's like who you connect with. Like uh, we make all the jokes about me and Jorah and everything over the years, but like, I connect with him in a lot of ways of just how I just keep flogging myself about how horrible I think 
my past was, and that's just so I connect on that level. Jorah jokes aside, or Stannis, oh, we haven't got to Stannis. We'll wait to season two for Stannis. Um, all right, let's. Uh, in, in time we have here in the first half of the show here. Uh, thank you all for listening. Here we, we're having a lot of fun diving deep. We definitely got to talk about Danny, and I'll start here. So I think a lot of this is about her fighting for her control of her choices and and, and her identity. You talked about. Uh, there's definitely honor and and duty and what and, and culturally like she's you know uh, I, a queen to serve this cow Khaleesi to serve this cow and that's expected of me but she's already she is like I said she is a she's sold into this marriage essentially she's a bartering ship she is a slave so we got the stuff that starts she starts focusing on the, the the eggs a lot and we get the story of the the legend of the eggs they flew to eye to the moon and they exploded and dragons came out and, and I'm like it's a little foreshadowing stuff we got the Danny and Dorea stuff here and I also want to shout out Eerie uh, uh, Amrita Archera is uh, eerie and, and I think does a great job as well. Roxanne McKee does a great job as Dorea but Danny and Dorea have this this scene here that yeah again we can make jokes sex position and, and the titillation of, of Game of Thrones especially early on in the show. Totally got it. It's there. Uh, you can stop there on that surface if you want. Um, Jorah in the beginning of the show Rachel says it will get easier which I think comes from a real warm spot in Jorah's heart. It's sympathetic yes. but to me I take that moment. This is where I really want you to jump, start jumping in here. Uh, I apologize if I'm monologuing, but when Jorah says that, it'll get easier. Like again, he means well, but I think Danny, it's like she doesn't want that. That saying, if Danny was to go, okay, yeah, you're right. It'll it'll get easier. It keeps her in a place of fear and a place of being controlled, and she doesn't want that. She needs to she needs to find a way beyond that, right? Yeah, she needs to. So one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of lessons um, was this idea of, you know, slavery comes up a lot and, it, yeah. and it's in the obvious ways, um, you know, Jorah's past and the fact that that's essentially what Danny, that's how, yeah. you know, her brother has treated her this whole time and it's how she feels in the eyes of the Dothraki in a lot of ways. Um, but it's also about, you know, women in this world having so few opportunities to make choices like mm-hmm. they're, they're all slaves to the roles that they have to play and that they're put in in this world yeah. um so the question is what do you do about it what do you how how do you take your situation and and find a way to twist it to to turn it to your own favor how do you take control um yeah. Tyrion, I, I know that he's not a woman but you know as as a you know an undesirable if you will yeah. um reads so that's a very obvious example of what can you do in your situation mm. to 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 better your situation to get yourself out of that to get give yourself the best um possible set of choices mm. so danny needs to find that danny needs to find out what in her situation can she take control of is so that she can you know have some sense of power have some sense of freedom and the ability to make choices yeah. and i'll just say it it's not going to be from Jorah, who whose comment comes from a nice place, but you could also read as just like an old white guy patronizing me in my situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not in my situation. You don't get my situation. Jorah yeah. does. So she need to hear it from another woman. Um, and she needed to hear, you know, what is it about? What about my situation? Can I take control of? And she'd never thought about it in terms of sex before. Yeah. She wasn't brought up that way. That was never something on her plate and never something that, I mean, she, she doesn't even, she, you know, she, she blushes and looks away whenever time Dorea yeah. makes some, a comment yeah. about it, yeah. but she's now seeing 
through a different lens. She's saying like, in my situation, what do I have control over? Mm-hmm. You actually do have control over your own body in this situation. Yeah. And I do love the idea of, again, culture. Dorea is not a Dothraki, but she understands a Dothraki. And she's like, you know, don't don't be tied into you know the dothraki do it this way you're not just a dothraki you're the khaleesi and that's the journey danny needs to get to like she doesn't realize it she doesn't realize her position of power within this structure that he that cal chose her and so she's their queen she's their khaleesi and that is a revered thing that is an important thing and she doesn't see that yet so if she uses dorea's you know, um, direction and, and advice to make Drogo see that she's earning that title and that position that he chose correctly, if, for lack yeah. of a better phrase, um, then the people will too. And then she will finally start to realize that she is actually in a position of power. Now, mm-hmm. you can talk endlessly about, you know, women having to use their bodies as the only source of their power. Yeah. I won't go down that well because I think that that's a bigger discussion that has a lot more nuance and it's more it's too difficult yeah. to to pin that on um the show as it is yeah. but um but i do understand that trajectory mm-hmm. i do in a lot of ways appreciate that directory the titillation nature nature yeah. of it fine whatever yeah. but it gets us to a place where she can look them in the eye mm-hmm. and that's almost more important than the fact that they're having sex while they're doing it to me yeah. that yeah, that's the the move that's the choice yeah um so yep. the, that's kind of where my head's at. No, it's great. I, I'm so glad everything you said is, is on point there, including, yeah, there's some, some bigger societal questions and this should, should raise them here. And, and it, it, to me, it isn't just, uh, it isn't just, it isn't just Danny going, uh, Oh, I got this. Let me, let me flip it around on here. And I, I, because the, the love ends up becoming pretty real between them and its connection. So it's, it's even, even what Danny does is layered and nuanced and not just from one point of view it's it's less like cersei you know and some yeah. of the stuff cersei said in the past uh and i like there's some stuff you said in there about where, where like oh yeah even as you're talking i'm going yeah if you follow danny's tra- trajectory especially into the middle seasons of of realizing like who i am and what power i have but also that i can take take this position and and take it to places where i feel I want it to go and where it should go and there's kind of nothing you can do about it because I've got the position. I think a lot of that starts here. Bigger discussions down the line. It, it's an interesting departure and, and step forward for Danny as a character to me. Yeah, mm. but it's still all tied into the concept of slavery and we all know how important that is to the core of her character and motivation for her actions so much in the future is having essentially been a slave. Yeah. And, you know, and and especially, you know, given Viserys's view on the topic, like his dismissal of like when I rule to Jorah, like that would be, you know, yeah. not a big deal, whatever. Like yeah. it's, she's been indoctrinated to that um, mm. view of it. And so she's going to use her power to swing all the way in the other direction. And yeah. that, you know, whatever happens in the end is the most positive thing you can say about her and her journey is that she took to heart having gone through that trauma of essentially being a slave and treated like one and 
clawing her way up to a position of power to use that power to to try to end that as a concept and as a, a way to to, to go yeah. through the world is is the most positive thing you can say about her. Yeah, and, and there's uh, to me when we finally get to the end, there's stuff to talk about. I still think that that Dinklage quote I always talk about of just like this that was part of the the, the point, so to speak, of just what keeps happening to her and how that could affect her lot more conversation to have about that but it all kind of begins here and i love what you say look i'm a jora guy um but but that's part of what the lesson is too for the scene he says this thing i definitely believe it it comes from a good place but he's also basically saying and nothing i can do about it and uh danny i think in that moment kind of realizes you know as she bites the horse jerky again um ain't no one coming to rescue me I, i gotta rescue myself And I think that's pretty powerful stuff there. All right, we are going to take a break. If you're listening on the podcast, we'll take a quick break, reset. If you're watching on YouTube, as I switch out the files, Rachel and I will have a bonus content conversation. (laughs) This is Casterly Talk. We are talking the King's Road. I hope you all are enjoying it. We'll be back on the podcast right after this. Hey, it's Alden Diaz here to tell you about Octo Radio. It's an interview show that I do exploring the different passionate Star Wars perspectives from artists, writers, crafters, and even other podcasters, plus even some people straight from Lucasfilm. So you can come hang out on my podcast island and celebrate the Star Wars ties that bind us together. Oh yeah, what the pork said. You can follow us everywhere on social at A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's Octo Radio and follow me at A-D underscore Strider. Hey y'all, what's going on? This is Kojak. I create music that can be found both on YouTube and SoundCloud, and now I'm a recent streamer on Twitch. So if you're looking for some chill instrumentals, check me out on YouTube and SoundCloud under KOJQ. And for some laughs, you can check my Twitch page under KO underscore JQ. Everyone, please be safe, and thank you. Welcome back to Casually Talk, and thank you to all those who stayed during the break on YouTube to uh, get some insight into Ned, honor, and stubbornness from Rachel. I got that question a couple weeks ago, Rachel, and I struggled to answer it, so I wanted to just toss it onto your lap so you could struggle as well, and you did way better than I did. (laughs) All right, we are looking at uh, episode two, The King's Road, and diving into... Uh, actual moments in the show, uh, less about the themes, though that's always a big factor, but things we liked, foreshadowing, things with more meaning now. Uh, there's there's some interesting foreshadowing here. Some of it is fun to just dig for. It might not be so just like billboard, look, like, look, this is going to happen, but it just it is also that like you hear it now and you're like, wow, that could be something. Uh, but if I love Viserys going, I'll stay with Drogo until he fulfills his end of the bargain and I have my crown. It's like, oh, you're, you're going to get it. You're going to get a crown. <laughs> Um, Jamie Lannister saying, give me a good, clean death every day. I think emotionally he gets a complicated death, but I, I like, I know I, I like that death, their deaths a little bit more than other people do. That's totally fair. But, uh, I just, I just, I loved hearing him just like, it's like, well, now we know, now we know what you're going to get. <laughs> so, uh, but also talks about, to me, that's, you know, cause talking about brand, it, it, this comes up a lot too, just foreshadowing the loss of his hand and, and his identity and what he attaches to that. 
Uh, John to Brand, great stuff when they leave, Rachel. And uh, John's saying, we can go out walking beyond the wall if, if, if you're not afraid. And the fact that, well, they don't go walking together, and Brand doesn't do much walking north of the wall. But the fact that Brand's going to be up there and where his destiny lies out there, I, I like that one as well. Any other, those moments grab you or any other foreshadowing moments? Yeah, a, a couple with Brand, actually. I loved the line um, that Cersei again that wonderful scene between Cersei and Catelyn and Cersei talks about her dead baby boy saying he was such a little thing a bird without feathers and I just you know you're looking at Bran and you're like yep you know three-eyed raven gonna fly you know Mm, I I really that stuck out to me Um, then obviously at the very end Ned kills Lady and Bran wakes up so you you're thinking about the Warg connection yep um, it, we you already mentioned the moon as an egg um, birthing the dragons. We know that the eggs are going to birth the dragons for Danny later on. Yep. Um, and then like little things I love that uh, Robert says to Ned, there's a war coming. I don't oh. know when, but it's coming. And I'm like, yep, the War of the Five Kings, only you're not going to be yeah, a part of it. Part of it. <laughs> uh, so you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and just the line, you know, Ned to John, you're a Stark. You may not have my name, but you have my blood. And you know, it it's not what you think. Like yeah. you, you find out later, that's true, just in a different way. Um, and that uh, that's just you know, yeah. uh, very very important in the long run to John's trajectory and story. Yeah, great stuff. Again, I, I laugh. I'm joking up with myself. I'm always kind of like uh, episode two, and it's like Tyrion and John on the on the on the road to the Night's Watch uh, to the Wall. Uh, Ned and Robert, uh, Cersei and Catelyn. There's just there's so many scenes. I'm like, oh yeah, this is spectacular stuff. I uh, love it. Things with more meaning now. We talked a lot about Tyrion's appraisal, of the Night's Watch, and just a lesson to John and what it means. And it's and it's simple. It's on the surface. You don't have to think too hard. It's it's in John's face and it's in our face. And look, I always say I got the Night's Watch hat head on. I, I love them in theory. I, it's probably where I'd end up, and hopefully I'd make the right choices up there. But uh, it's about uh, institutions and and what they're here for, and what they might mean, and and what uh, being a hero really can be. Because John ends up being more the a hero than he would plan to be. Uh, you talked about what killed him. Nymeria going away. This is t- I got this is tough. This is t- this is, again. This is probably why emotionally I don't connect with this episode as much as I yeah. think because of the lady stuff. Nymeria. We know we're not going to see Nymeria again to the to the towards the the, the bitter end there, Rachel. That's a tough one, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm. The Hound and Micah, the Butcher's Boy. Just to yeah. see it now, it, it has more meaning to me. Just to see where the Hound goes, it's it's mm-hmm. it's early on one of those moments where you're like, "F the Hound, man! I don't like that guy yep. at all." But eh, start to unravel. Arya gets needle uh, to actually see it happen is is great. Uh, I talked about ja- Jamie and John, the power dynamic that that's going to switch. Uh, it's the great, you know, Jamie t- says to to. To, to John, like, oh, you know, hopefully it works out for you up there. I mean, it, you know, the vow's only for life. And just saying that to John, knowing that, yep, that's true, and his life's going to end, and the vow will break. Um, sorry if I'm taking all of him, but we'll come back. John to Rob, uh, you Starks are hard to kill. Like, that's a ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like when Anakin tells uh, Qui-Gon, uh, you know, Jedi can't die. Um, uh, King, you just mentioned King Robert, not, not necessarily just predicting the future. He knows it. 
He feels yeah. it. He smells it in mm-hmm. the air there. And final one, you mentioned Rasterized to Night's Watch Traveling Party. Oh, the dagger. Uh, and, and again, Cersei being one step ahead of Ned. Some of the things to me that mean more now watching them. What's uh, what's there for you that uh, I'm, I didn't uh, grab? I know I grabbed just about all of them. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the two physical ones, um, Needle and the Valerian Steel dra- Dagger, yeah. just because, again, the, the dagger being such a, uh, you know, a, 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 do- a domino set piece that you know and yep. everything goes and we all you know know later how it comes to be and it is interesting that the dagger ends up in Arya's hands mm. um and becomes the more important weapon than needle even though needle is the object that saves Arya from truly becoming no one it's the one artifact one object she could not get rid mm. of and she could not completely get rid of Arya Stark it's what brings her yeah. back and that's very crucial to, to her journey for sure. Yeah. I have a, a slightly weird one, yeah. and I will preface this by saying this is no way excuses Joffrey Baratheon in no way. <laughs> that's a great. However, it's a great start. I did pick up on, you know, Joffrey. Say what you will about like you know coin flip because your parents were siblings. Yeah. Ultimately, he is belittled pretty seriously mm-hmm. twice in this episode. Right. And so when you see a bully in action, a lot of times you can trace it to, you know, their own upbringing and that there's something that's happened to them. Call it trauma, if you will, if you yeah. want to bring it back to that, that brings them to that so. place. And, you know, it starts out with Tyrion slapping him three times. Mm. Um, and I mean, Joffrey's, being a little bitch so like yeah. you get it and, jo- and, and yep. Tyrion is in the right not just because it's you know he should be doing the right thing but because he is actively being a jerk about you know mm-hmm. the crippling of of this little boy you know him yeah. saying he means nothing to me and I shouldn't have to do that like all of that is like yeah you deserve to be slapped but he is and it's belittling and it's very I think probably damaging to his psyche um, especially because he's clearly built up by his mother to believe that he is infallible and perfect and nobody can touch you and all of that stuff. We see some right. of that later. Feels it, yeah. uh, and then I found, you know, particularly cutting in that in scene at the end where um, Arya and, and, and Sansa being brought in front of, of Cersei and the king. Mm. And the thing that Robert takes away from that entire story about what happened is you let a little girl disarm you. Mm. And he says that to Joffrey in front of everybody. And I, and I just made me think that like, you know, Mm. bullies aren't just bullies for no reason. Usually. Yeah. I I think, you know, that that there's the argument about the blood is, is a very strong argument, but I do think that Joffrey in a lot of ways has been taught to be like this in ways built up by his mother and mm-hmm. ways torn down by his father and Tyrion and, and possibly even maybe Tywin. I bet Tywin's not very nice to him most of the time yeah. um, because they're not going to suffer that he's kind of a little bitch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're trying to knock sense into him in a weird way, just yeah. not in the right way. Um, but it, I don't know why it had never dawned on me before. Look, Joffrey's the worst. He deserves the yeah. death that he got. I'm very happy when that happens in, in season four and everything else is horrible. But I do find it interesting that, you know, and I do like that, again, there's very, very few pure evil for evil's right. sake and pure good for good's sake in this world. 
I'm right there, right there with you. There's that one moment with uh, Ruth Bolton and Ramsey where I'm like, oh, yeah. Ramsey, wait, no, I shouldn't. No, no. Yeah, I think it's a great <laughs> observation, uh, especially, again, the failures of Robert, a character who, again, I'm always trying to root for Robert Baratheon. But a lot of things were done and a lot of things couldn't be undone that, that come from a lot of his mistakes, including a, a war launched over his broken heart that I uh, still believe is a, is a trauma he couldn't face, a truth he couldn't face, and, and, a, and a powerful lesson there as well. So, no, I think that's great stuff about Joffrey. Um, uh, yeah, and again, no, no one's rooting for Joffrey, but the show should make you question some things down the line. Uh, sure. And I love it. Uh, as far as favorite moments, uh, or is there any, any other uh, uh, little things, uh, any things you like, uh, any, any, any things that mean more now to you? I think you, you covered most of them, yeah. and so I got my little Joffrey observation in there, there so go. we're good. I just rambled through. There was so much, and I was I was overjoyed. I was like, I, I really didn't think there would be as many things as episode that I that I could yeah. come on to. That's my mistake. I'll be more more prepared. Episode mm-hmm. three, favorite moments for me. Uh, I, I I do. That said, that said, Rachel, <laughs> I do love Tyrion slapping Joffrey. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe now, <laughs> now you've got me thinking about it. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's pretty satisfying. <laughs> Um, first, we talked a lot about first peeking to Cersei's heart, uh, talking to Cat about her child. Again, it's it's you don't know which way it's going, you don't know what she means. It, it's a clue to what uh, is 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 buried deep there. But also, like you said, she is uh, she's lying about a lot of things. So uh, it's a it, to me, it's a look at her foundation of, of pain as it turns into anger, or as it already did turn to anger. Uh, I really like. So I got to say, I, I Michelle Fairley is a great actor, and so I've never once. Uh, not been just fully interested in Cat's story, but there, uh, there's times along the way in my past as a Game of Thrones fan, I've just been kind of frustrated with Cat and said she she caused a lot of these problems and there's mistakes she made. But I've always tried to correct myself so that it's really unfair to this character of Catelyn Stark. I love this scene where she's like, I can't do it, Ned. I really can't because she knows there's just so many pressures and he's going and the family and the kids and Bran and I just had a lot of sympathy uh, and I don't even know sympathy is the right word but I, j- I just love this scene watching it this time of just a true just breakdown of the soul uh, facing tough challenges and we've all kind of been there at many points in our life where you just feel you can't do it but she's going to have to find a way to do it and the great thing about the episode is she does yeah. you know the, the assassin attacks and she holds them off long enough for Summer to get there and to save Bran's life and that's the thing that spurs her to go up to the tower yeah. to find the evidence of the hair. And, you know, and and now, you know, we're, we're moving forward. She's now going to leave with Sir Roderick to go warn Ned that it's even worse than they thought. Not only did maybe the Lannisters kill John Aaron, but I think they tried to kill our son. Mm-hmm. And that's, for lack of a better phrase, snaps her out of it. You know, that there's something bigger than sitting right next to him and holding his hand. I I've done everything I can for Bran and Rob's words come back to her. What about Rickon? You have a six year old son who's so confused right now and you're not comforting him because you won't leave the side of of Bran. And like it's like everything snaps into focus for her that the things that she needs to be doing. Um, And so she goes kind of on a little journey there herself in this episode. But yeah, Michelle Fairley is 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 amazing because yeah. she sells the brokenness mm-hmm. and then she sells the pulling herself together so and, and and getting stuff done. So, so good. Uh, final one for me uh, that ended. You mentioned it, Rachel. I, I ten years later. This is almost ten years later. 
And I was watching it, uh, I watched this episode twice before we recorded, and I got chills at that ending. Like, I got, like, the, oh, God, and going, it, it took me back to seeing it for the first time. A lady, the horrible lady, and then the pan, uh, the, the pan up there, talking about editing and pacing, just boom. And his eyes pop open, and it's, it just still gives me that, like, whoa, ooh, what's going on? It's great. I love that stuff. Um, some of your favorite moments, lines, and scenes. Um, I... Okay, we all know what a Jamie Stan I am. Okay, like that's every time I'm on the show with yeah. Ken and we're going through these seasons, y'all gonna know how much I love Jamie. Even yeah. though he pushed Bran out the window, which my mother never ceases to say to me <laughs> when I say that. <laughs> um, his conversation with John, he is so sarcastic so and so condescending. And it's Nikolai Coster Waldo, I don't think gets the credit that he deserves for being the bad Jamie as well as the Jamie that turns the corner and, and, you know, really gets to, to emote more in later seasons, but he is such a smug jerk. And the way that he delivers, like, I want to shake your hand. Thank you so much for guarding us from the perils beyond the wall, wildly white walkers and whatnot. And it's just so good. (laughs) Tell you, you. is it we now is one of the best just yeah, line deliveries it, yeah. in the show. Mm-hmm, 100%. Um, I, I've already mentioned how much I love the Aria John scene. Um, and one thing I noticed so particularly this time in rewatching was when she says Sansa can keep her sewing needles. Now I've got a needle of my own and she's hugging John. You hear, at least it's the first time I heard, it's entirely possible it came before, but mm. the star, Raman Jawadi's Stark theme. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, play underneath that, and it and it's so poignant because these are the two Starks whose journeys I think for most fans are the ones they really, really rooted for and cared yeah. about and traveled with through this whole thing because they're the fighters, yeah. um, and I think that that was really beautiful. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I think that stuff. that's good stuff we've covered pretty much everything, yeah i mean so. a lot in here when you go back it's so fun uh, and, and we always like to talk about the stars of the episode uh for me uh i wanted to highlight wilco johnson as ill in pain uh who, who's still going strong and he had so, cancer yeah the few years ago there was cancer it wasn't looking good uh, for a lot of those who don't know wilco johnson you can look him up he was uh, in the influential uh uk pub rock band dr feel good and uh, one of my favorites, Paul Weller of the Jam Style Council and, and his great solo career, has, has said that that uh, Johnson who had a guitar play. He didn't use a pick. He finger uh, finger played the you know used his fingers to play like Lindsey Buckingham kind of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, and Paul Weller says his style you can hear it in other things. And so to have him just all of a sudden he's he's here. He's Ellen Payne in Game of Thrones. Um, Benny Alva Weiss, the musician, everyone can make the Ed Sheeran jokes, but there's so many music, musicians, I can't even say it, Christian, musicians Christian that right? show up yeah. all the way through this show. Yeah. Um, this oh, yeah. is one uh, of them. Ron, Jerome Flynn. Jerome Flynn. <laughs> Grey Worm. Grey Worm. Yeah. yeah. Bands yep. in the background, all these kind of bands. So this is this is the first one. It doesn't get talked about enough. Wilco Johnston. And for me, the start of the episode, for me, uh, Michelle Fairley, great Ned Stark, all these great acting moments. But I got to tell you, Jack Gleason is Joffrey. Wow, okay. Because you, episode one, you're like, oh, I, don't know, I don't like a lot of these characters. Yeah. And that little kid don't seem good and everything. And, man, he comes along here. And when this episode ends, especially the first time you're watching and for, for, for me, 2011, I'm like, kill that guy. Kill him now. Kill him. <laughs> and Jack Gleason, of course, faces it in you know real life. And a lot of people somehow, I guess, can't differentiate between actors and, and the characters they play. That's another conversation. 
But I just I look at this episode. I'm like, he's so good at playing that, and still. You can see what you talked about, Rachel. You can see see the stuff there if you want to, but also you can just see him just be him. a shit, and it's kind of just amazing to watch. So I'm gonna give some props to Jack Gleason. You, yeah, no, I, I definitely hear that, and I, I've always felt bad because I've heard the stories of apparently he's a very nice young man, yeah, so young anymore maybe, but like he would walk down the streets and people would throw things at him and yell at him and hate him because he played Joffrey so perfectly. And it's like, man, when you play a villain and you play it that well, yeah. he, he might get in some trouble in real life. You're good. Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, while I do think that uh, Tyrion has most of the best lines mm. in this episode, I'm actually going to give it to Maisie Williams for Arya nice. because she didn't do, she didn't have much to do in the first episode. You got, you got a taste, which was what you needed in that moment. And you, you got a feeling for her. But I love, again, her her scene with John is one of my favorites. And then the way she she plays her instincts. I like the way Maisie in Williams played Arya's instinctual reactions yeah. during the scene with Micah and Joffrey. And, mm-hmm. you know, understanding she's in trouble, being worried, but also standing up for herself. And then when she sees a bully physically hurting her friend, yeah. she throws caution to the wind and whacks him with a stick. And then to throw the sword oh, in the water, so like that's that's like worse than 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 than, than sticking him with it, like yeah. hurting him, like doing that is a is a bigger hurt, is a bigger emotional gut punch to Joffrey than yeah. actually doing anything physically to him. And then it's heart wrenching, you know, when she when she chases Nymeria away, and then that moment of betrayal by her sister. I think that she had to do a lot of work for such a young new actress in this episode that yeah. I really, I really appreciate it. That's a great call. Great call. Speaking of calls, we've got a couple quick calls here uh, talking about some scenes. We, we have talked about them, but I love uh, hearing everyone's thoughts and we can give our thoughts on these calls. We've got our good friend, Eric Monroe first talking about Danny and Dorea. Hey, can I casually talk? So to King's Road, I really liked this episode. And one of the things I really liked about this episode was the scenes between Danny and Dorea. Um, I always liked Daria. I think her and Danny kind of bonded a little bit because they were both sold into this um, situation. You know, it's not until a little bit later that Danny embraces the Dothraki uh, culture and lifestyle and all that stuff. But it, it's it's an important episode for Danny because this is the she sees finally she does have some power over Cal Drogo as we see what happens in you know the bedroom scene and it's important because of how they changed the pilot scene of it becoming a rape. So it's a big episode for Danny. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, could you talk a little bit on some of the changes book to show on some of these early sex scenes with Danny and Cal Drogo? Do you, what can you recall about that? Yeah. I mean, I mentioned it last week that from a writing perspective, from a, doing this show, I can intellectually understand the change that they made in the pilot to change their, you know, their marriage night into a rape. And it's meant to put a character at the lowest of lows, like the, to, to look like there's, there's no possible worse series of situations you can find yourself in than when she does, because that means you can only go up from here. You can only grow from here. And then that's a trajectory she's going to take over the next several seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. I, can't help sometimes but wish that they found a more nuanced way to to do it but that's the choice that's where we are Mm -hmm. and it makes sense because of where we are in this episode to continue that thread that 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 sex is equated to her continuing to feel like a slave in the said situation until Dorea gives her 
the the advice, the ammunition she needs to turn that on its head. Mm. Um, and it's treated like like that's just the Dothraki way, and you know this is the way Dothraki do things. But you're not just Dothraki; you are the Khaleesi. So flip it on its head. And she needed to hear that. She needed somebody you know, a, a confidant, a, an advisor or whatever in that situation um, to to get her to possibly see it from that point of view. And then she takes action. She makes a choice and she starts her upward trajectory. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll say it again. I get it. It makes literary sense. It makes progression sense for the, the, the road, a character to go on, um, you know, in the next iterations or in the future. I just hope that more storytellers mm-hmm. treat with a little bit more, be more careful with it um, rather than just use it sort of in this sort of plot way. It's, it's a, it's a, a trick in the bag of tricks that uh, is just easy to grab. Yeah, and, agreed. And, and there's and there's more in that bag, but again, we're we're dealing with the story that is there, and and great points, uh, Rachel. Great points, Eric. Thanks for the call. Final one here, uh, Ned. I love this title. It's our friend Donna Long. Ned and Robert having lunch, and you know what? That is the scene. They're having lunch. Hey, Ken, Rachel, and Caster talk. Just wanted to call in here this week and talk about my favorite scene in this episode was when Ned and Robert have been sitting on the side of the road having lunch, and all the stuff that goes on in this scene. We can we get a little more inside of Ned and Robert's friendship and their past, and how Robert still lives in the past a little bit. Yeah. But all changes an instant right when John, right when Robert asks about John's mother and who her name was. We see the switch in Ned's face in an instant about how it goes from right from anger to hurt, all but to the lie and promise he made, all to about the man sitting right across from him. He has to keep it from. And then also, Robert gives Ned a letter that he received in the night. We find out later on in the series who sends him that letter and all about information about Daenerys going on. Thanks. Yeah, connected to Jorah's story. Good point there, uh, Donald. Um, Rachel, there's something that Donald said in there that I loved. It goes back to the trauma conversation. But Ned, uh, Ned and Robert reminiscing. Got it. Great fun memories. You know, uh, whatever you want to say there. But uh, Robert, his inability to to move past. Heartbreak. To me, there's there's valuable lessons there, and I'm not saying anyone's trauma is easy to get through. Trauma is trauma, right. uh, and that's not what to me what the show's trying to say. But just for Robert, it destroyed him, and he couldn't get past it. And as far as trauma goes, broken heart, probably less <laughs> trauma than others. And I get so I as 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 a fan and as a man get frustrated with Robert of his inability to move past that, of his inability to not, not move past, but grow past it, be better for it. There, and you can see. It is his down- the downfall isn't coming. It's already there with Robert, and and it's on it's on display in this scene. So, good stuff there. Yeah, I, I agree with the a caller in the sense that what's really great about the scene is once again you see that. 20 30 year old relationship and the way that they go back and forth and they didn't get to be young because they went to war and that's like i recall a few chances we did and they laugh and it just but it does it does take a turn first when they talk about wyla but then in particularly when they talk about danny still being alive and it's the rage and anger and bitterness that instead of letting go robert has allowed to fester and it drove him to go to war, war and yeah. win the war but 
And that's probably why he won the war, because he held all that in. And he was this formidable warrior and charismatic leader. And Ares had done plenty to alienate most of the um, Seven Kingdoms. So it all went in his favor. But then you have to put that aside and you have to rule. And he was never capable of doing that. And that is very much because he couldn't let go of all of that anger. And it to me one of the themes I didn't mention but does sort of come up a little here is this idea that like justice is in the eye of the beholder mm. like it's it's so you know people in power it convince themselves that certain things are honorable or yeah. in the name of justice right. because that's the way they view them and, and so he's like you know murdering every Targaryen down to the last baby is completely justifiable and that's yeah. horrifying to Ned and that's a very that's a that's a glimpse for Ned into what he's about to get himself into, mm. and the idea that Cersei sees it as justice that Lady dies instead of Nymeria. When again, not horror that that's that's terrible, but it's yeah. who has the power to make those choices in the given decision, and it's not about right or wrong. Yeah. You know, it's about exerting. Cersei's losing in that decision, mm. that situation with mm. with Arya and Sansa. Like Robert basically just says, Ned, you just have to you know discipline your yeah. daughter because I can't get yeah. a straight story out of anybody, and I'm just gonna go off and drink because I don't want to deal with this right now. And Cersei's like, excuse me? Like, your son's going to be scarred for the rest of his life. And basically, he just wants her to stop nagging, but that she knows that. So she's exerting what power she has in that moment to get what she sees as some form of justice because it's important to be seen that way. Um, So it's justice doesn't mean the right. You know, it's it's on the eye of of whoever's, you know... um, doing the justice at the moment so that's what makes me think of robert and his his vendetta against the the targaryens he thinks that that's all on the right kind of turns out to be true in the long run yeah but there's yeah again that's it's it's that's the fun of this series right what is right what is wrong and and a little shade of everything there and it's real and it's different than any other and i don't i don't enjoy this in a lot of my other fantasy stuff too like this is it's pretty specific to game of thrones i want the themes i want the lessons to be there but i love that this one gets a little murky there uh we are about wrapping up here we have our favorite quotes from the episode here uh i got Tyrion. everything is better with some wine in the belly um uh, maester lewin saying too easily words of war become acts of war is yeah. one i like uh, sticking with the pointy end is one that i'd say last uh the length of the show everyone remembers that one any quotes from you rachel yeah, I, I, in the same scene, I love, it won't take a man's head off, but you can poke him full of holes if you're quick enough. That's <laughs> Turns out to be true. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, and then Tyrion gets also my winning quote. Um, Speaking for the grotesques, I'd have to disagree. Death is so final, whereas life is full of possibilities. Oh, it's cool. very, very true. Great way to end the show there. A lot of fun breaking down the King's Road with you, Rachel. Next up for the show is episode three, Lord Snow. Uh, Look for that uh, next week as we break down. If you want to get ahead of it and call in, uh, I believe we already have a call from Alden Diaz uh, checking in next week for Lord Snow. Uh, That is uh, coming uh, our way. You can follow me at Catnapsock. You can go to catnapsock.com for all the information on uh, shows, books, and things I do and uh, update on uh, any live events that are coming soon uh rachel uh where can they follow you and don't forget to uh tell them about that show you're doing now <laughs> yeah i'm on instagram and twitter at rachel j cushing and starting on september 22nd i will be the new co-host of schmodown backstage on the sen network alongside uh the boss ben bateman i'm excited to be back in the schmodown community in this way so i hope to see you guys there 
Glad to have you back. In fact, we got to go because at the time of this episode, I got to get on and you got to get on a schmodown. All right. We'll see you all later. This was Casterly Talk.